Tonight, with Allah's permission and grace, we carry on reading sayings of our beloved Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam and explaining them in an attempt to contextualize our sacred tradition so that we can benefit and learn from it in our own lives. We came to chapter 11 of this really beautiful, very nice work that Imam Nawawi rahmatullah prepared for Muslims, for many generations of Muslims. And this book has been studied and read, and I tell you, for hundreds of years across the Muslim world in this particular way, in many mosques, where scholars sit down and read those traditions and elaborate on them and explain them and then relate them to, to our own times and our own lives. As is Imam Nawawi's method, practice, whenever he begins a new topic, a new chapter, if there are any Quranic verses, and usually they are, that talk about it, he will highlight to us some of those verses from the Holy Quran that relate to this particular chapter. So since this topic is Babul Mujahada, chapter on the struggle in the cause of Allah, or let's say striving in Allah's path in general sense, Mujahada, or struggle in Allah's way, is a very general topic indeed and very important one. You can all assume there are so many verses in the Quran that touch upon it. However, Imam Nawawi selected a few here at the beginning of this chapter that I would like to share with you and we will try to understand them maybe at another different level. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Imam Nawawi wrote here, قَالَ Allah ta'ala وَالَّذِينَ جَاهَدُوا فِيْنَا لَنَهْدِيَنَّهُمْ سُبُّلَنَا وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَمَعَ الْمُحْسِنِينَ So the first ayah that he chose to write here is like the crux, the most central ayah uh, which underlines the benefit of mujahada, struggling in Allah's way. In Surah Al-Ankabut, okay, ayah number 69, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, and as for those who strive hard in our cause, we will surely guide them to our path, or our paths. That is Allah's religion. And surely Allah is with those who are righteous. This is the ayah, the first opening ayah. So there are a couple of terms that we would like to focus on in this noble ayah. The first one is this notion of mujahada. Yeah, struggling or striving, working hard basically. In our religion, in Allah's way. And it is really amazing that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says here, Fina, he is making reference to him, self, in plural, of course, form. Fina, in us, means in Allah. As if we are striving in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, working hard towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But this is like a really an attempt Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants us to be connected to him. He wants us to do whatever we may do or say in this religion of ours that will connect us with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So as if every prayer we say, 
we prayed to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directly and it was like, it was a special kind of meeting with God that we had. And in, in a way it is like that. Symbolically speaking, metaphorically speaking, every time you strive in the religion of Allah means you do anything that is part of our religion as a whole, you are actually working on yourself and trying to connect yourself with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala who is the source of your existence, yeah? the source of your life, of your beginning. So this you know, working hard, striving is in Allah uh, and in Allah's cause because we all are on our way back to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in that sense. So in a way, this is like more direct interpretation, but a little bit better maybe uh, interpretation, which is more easy, easier for us to understand and to relate to is, it means those of us who work really hard in whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ordered us to do or say. So there are certain institutions in our religion, certain principles, certain phrases, okay? And there are certain rituals, rites, okay? That we are asked to do, to observe. And if we work really hard in those principles, in those institutions, in those practices, in those rites and rituals, then we will match the meaning of this ayah. What does Allah say in reply, in response to that? Those of you who practice your religion, our religion properly and work hard, like practice it properly. And we strive, we do our best basically. Allah says, He's going to guide us to our ways. And here, we know the path of Islam, the religion of Islam is one way, Siratun Mustaqim, the right straight path. But here, Subulana means something else. A, all different methods through which we can reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is what is the meaning of Subul, Subulana here. Otherwise, the Quran says, this is the right path and stick to it. On the right and on the left are other ways. They are not straight paths. We don't dwell on those. But here Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, if you work very hard on what I have already framed for you, defined for you in your religion, I'm going to be shifting you from one state condition onto the next. Min halatin ila hala. Min maqamin ila maqam. And those are declared as subulana in this ayah. So this is what it actually means. So is, if you practice the religion of Allah properly with sincerity, with certain uh, principles that Allah put in the religion, you are going to ascend basically spiritually. You're going to climb as if you are climbing a ladder. Okay, that's what it means. So Allah will show you yet another beautiful station, maqam, path spiritual experience that you will be in and then he will uplift you even more so even more so until you reach Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that's what it means so who will inspire you towards that and then help you along the way Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because you did your best yeah you struggled you worked hard 
and you worked really well and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will do the rest for you. That's how it works. And what is important to underline, وَإِنَّ اللَّهَ لَمَعَ الْمُحْسِنِينَ People who work hard, okay, Allah helps them. And they will, inshallah, God willing, become what Allah describes the righteous people. People of righteousness, of good. And Allah says here, He confirms actually in this ayah that Allah is with such people. Okay? Allah is with them. Allah also said elsewhere in the Quran that He loves such people. In Allah yuhibbul muhsineen. So, part of ihsan, which is the third dimension of our religion, and it is the loftiest one, is that you work really hard in your religion. It's not just to pretend or to say things. It is to say things properly with, with utmost sincerity and then to actually struggle. To get up in the morning for Fajr prayer. To wait for the next prayer. To do the homework. To fast in Ramadan and to be properly in it. And when you pray, to be fully concentrated in your prayer. And to prepare for your prayer beforehand. Properly again. Have your, you know, the ritual of ablution completed really well. Then you shall see the difference in all that you do for Allah's sake. It will impact you. It will affect your spiritual growth. And that is the beauty of it. Until you become a righteous person, which means what? Your habits are all good habits. So you are firmly rooted in all good noble practices. And you are trying to get rid of any habit which is not befitting a good Muslim. Okay? And whatever it is like, you work on your generosity, you want to be the most generous of all people. Because you know that's firmly linked to the notion of faith, Iman. In other words, a proper believer who is working on perfection of his Iman cannot be stingy. You understand? Likewise, a believer who is truly righteous, he cannot be lacking in punctuality. He will be punctual, for example. He will be disciplined. He will be actually really good on time management, and so on and so forth. Likewise, he will not every now and then get angry. He will actually excel in patience and forbearance. That's what it is. So basically, a true believer who is a truly righteous one is the one who is trying to get rid of any blameworthy trait. And he wants to replace all of that with praiseworthy traits and characteristics. And he wants that to be, that, to be his character. Okay, so Allah says this cannot be attained, achieved just by one simple short prayer that you prayed, even if it's in the middle of the night when nobody watches you. This can be attained by a continuous striving, yeah, practicing and practicing and praying and praying until you get there with sincerity. Okay, so we practice, we practice for a long time until we realize. Okay, this and that way was not necessarily very ideal because there was an element of ostentation in it. Now I'm not going to do that again. I'm not going to show off. I'll try to do it with a different approach, in a different way, because that is beautiful, more beautiful and more pure, purer. And Allah loves that and Allah accepts that. And then Allah puts you in the circle of righteous people. Allah aids you. And this is what it means here. In Allah, means... Allah gives you the tawfiq to do that which 
pleases Allah, that which is good, noble things, charitable things. And certainly Allah will facilitate for you so that you can fulfill all of your religious obligations. Because a person who is struggling with the basics and is not being careful, like in this time, like it's a very special season of worship, of course it's the most important to stay away from haram. Then fast the nine days of Dhul-Hijjah. It's more important not to indulge yourself in what's prohibited or indulge your lower self in something than coming with extra optional acts. And in this chapter we will actually try to explain that in more detail because it's all about that. What, what, what is the work that we are talking about? What does it consist of? First and foremost, fulfilling your basic duties. Okay, your individual, personal obligations, religious duties. And then you supplement that if there is an opportunity with what's extra, more, like what's highly recommended, than what's recommended. And then maybe something which is just nice, and then you work towards more and more and more until you rise really high spiritually. So this ayah to me is really beautiful, very nice to know that if we work hard, if we do our best, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala be, will be with us. Basically, He will facilitate the means for us to do even better. And what else? He will aid us. You understand? He will give us the tawfiq. Tawfiq really means that Allah will not put you in a situation where you will surely become lost. But He will enable things for you so that you see the truth and that you see the one. And you connect yourself with the one, with Allah. Eh? He enables you to do that. But then there's another level. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is there with you. Yeah? And aiding you. So it's Allah's ma'iyah with tawfiq and ta'yid. Okay, these two things. And the person who has that, then his part is to be with Allah. Because... Allah, is all, Allah loves us and He wants good for us. But we also want to be with Allah. Because you have to, you know, reciprocity is really fully expected here. Allah is the only one, the only being who keeps loving and giving and forgiving and throwing things at us and giving us without even us asking Him or giving anything in, in return. But us human beings, we, to need, we need to become humble enough and to say, I can clearly see and feel the divine love and the divine care of me. I need to now love my God, my cherisher and my sustainer and do my part of the work. Okay? And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will aid you and help you and then nothing in a way will go wrong for you. Because Allah is inspiring you towards what is good, what is lofty. And you are doing your best to be closer, to get closer and closer and closer that you can to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we can actually excel very spiritually. If we didn't travel the path quite well ourselves, we didn't have that particular experience, it's very hard, of course, to, to, to reach it, to understand it. But we know of so many people, and in every generation there are so many, uh, mashallah, really truly righteous, yeah, these salihin righteous, truly righteous people and scholarly people who really go really high. And you can sense that and feel that from them. Like recently we had a visit by a couple of what I believe really saints, uh, very knowledgeable and very spiritual brothers. 
and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, you know guides many others through them and uh, they benefit a lot like among us is another scholar that I believe is very uh, highly spiritual and and very uh, like a means from God to the to the rest of people that surround these uh, good righteous and scholarly people so that uh, what is good uh, gets passed on and benefits others rather than just being, being within ourselves and it's like in a way like a hidden gem no the the positive wives need to be spread just like Allah spreads his positive uh, wives in the sense of his grace and mercy and it uh, encompasses everything we too need to realize that it is our duty basically to reach out and uh, to pass on the good that Allah passed on to us yeah, Allah gave us uh, or equipped us with things we need to now share it with others and we won't lose anything remember that when we love someone else we don't lose our love there's just more love when we teach someone something we don't lose our knowledge actually we get better in our studies and there is more knowledge out there the same is with compassion and care and even prayer so when we pray together it's better for all of us it's good of course, to pray is better not to miss the prayer, even if you prayed on your own. But when you pray together, it's even better. So, this notion of mujahada is very critical, very important. Uh, and it clearly says here that if we do our part, we work hard, we strive hard in Allah's cause, Allah will surely guide us. And He will show us uh, the way in which we can proceed and then excel and ascend spiritually uh, until we can we can feel all of that we don't need any further evidence beyond that and then hopefully Allah will place us among the truly righteous and the truly light, righteous as I said to you uh, are, 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 are elite of Allah uh, and Allah loves them yeah and Allah has prepared lovely things for them in the hereafter the best of all things obviously to to be with Allah and to see Allah and that that is no doubt the greatest achievement uh, of Jannah this is the first ayah Imam now we included the second one says this ayah uh, is right the very last ayah of Surah Al-Hijr ayah number 99 it's not a long chapter this is a Meccan revelations both of these uh, which means uh, and worship your Lord until there comes unto you the certainty i.e. death okay this is the majority's interpretation is al-maut there are some other scholars who don't say that but most mufassirun uh, lean towards this understanding so what does it mean worship your Lord until there comes unto you the certainty so you worship Allah until you breathe your last, basically. And what it is, the notion of Iman, our belief in Allah, is one of the only two things in our religion that, that will never cease to exist. It will last forever. So the moment the Iman, yeah, Iman entered our hearts and we believed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, we will believe in Allah forever the difference is that in this worldly life we cannot see Allah and he can see us so it's like a mighty test in a way 
like there's a, there's a, an element of mystery to it, secret. Okay, so we cannot see Allah, but we can see His existence in so many things that He created, including ourselves. Okay, just look at the mirror. Was it Michael Jackson who said, "Look at the man in the mirror and and work on yourself." So, basically, we can't see Allah in this worldly life, but we still believe in Him in the next life. The moment our soul leaves our body, we already can see different reality. Like angels will descend upon us, and they will they will ask us some questions or show us our final destination and both of potential and and the real one. So we will see that, and then to the next level on Judgment Day, Allah will judge everyone. So He's talking to everybody, but they, no, everybody will see Allah. The non-believers will be judged. They can't deny Him. Allah is talking to them. No denial. It's a reality, new reality. But the truly righteous and proper sincere believers will then have that greatest of all privileges and rewards of Jannah to even see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And there is no longer secret, no mystery. What we were looking and, and craving and longing for, now you can actually see and experience it at that level, different. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says to us, believe in me, I will not force you to believe in me. And your belief in me will stay with you forever. Okay? The only other institution is marriage. <laughs> we get married in this worldly life and we will be also married couples in the hereafter. There's nothing else. No mujahada in Jannah. No prayer in Jannah. No fasting in Jannah. No other obligations. No parent-child relationship in the sense I have to take my kids school run. Listen, not like that. It's a different level. So, what is the point here is there is one thing which is certainly coming our way and that is the end of this worldly life, death. That's certainty. Okay? There are many songs on death as well, M many nice poems as well and many books written on love and belief and, and, and death and these are all real things. We don't see love either. We don't even see death. We don't see air or wind, but we know and can feel their force and presence. In the same way, we don't know what's going to happen for sure after we die, but we know that definitely we are going to die. And whatever happens after the death, we have whatever our tradition has told us will unfold. We have, we have, re we have every reason to believe in it, that it will unfold like that. We, by believing in Allah and doing our homework, until we breathe our last, have nothing to lose. That's a very beautiful argument. So, we have every reason actually to worship Allah, just like this ayah said, until it's our end in this worldly life. And then it's the next phase of existence. And beautifully and wisely so, and by Allah's mercy and grace, we don't know. Nobody knows when they are going to die. But we all know that we are going to die. And if we knew, some scholars say, none of us, they say, would bear it. We'll all take our own lives before that actual fixed hour came because we will be too frightened of it. But by Allah's mercy, none of us know. And again, it seems like sudden death. It strikes us suddenly. Even though a true conscious believer, the moment he becomes conscious of Allah and this religion and the practices of this religion, what is he doing actually as he's traveling the path? He's getting ready for that moment. And then the ultimate meeting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, judgment day. 
again we seem to be caught unprepared. So the point of this ayah, in my humble opinion, really is that persistency. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala likes those deeds which are done on a regular basis, even if it's not huge quantity, okay, but we are persistent in it. Yeah? We, you know, we, we, we do it with istiqama, like we read in one of the chapters here, it was a whole chapter on it. So we never give up. This is the beauty of Islam and religion. A true believer, as the Quran says, never loses their hope and never gives in. So we will do whatever we can and we will strive as hard as we can. And we will balance it in a way that we don't go over the top and then we all of a sudden lose everything because we went into some kind of extreme. Extreme right or left is never going to last forever. But the middle way, the golden way, yeah, it will last you forever. <laughs> it will take you to where you can and need to go to, and then the rest is to Allah. Allah will then deal, as he told us in the Quran and our beloved Prophet in his sayings. So we worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala until the end. And there's one more thing I want to add here in relation to this ayah. You can read this in some classical commentaries. One of the tricks from shaitan, the devil, is... He just tries to deceive us believers by saying, the form doesn't matter. It's like everything is your heart, your intention. You don't have to do anything in a particular way. It's just like you know and God knows. As long as you pray to Allah, it's all fine. Well, this is an old trick of shaitan. Some people have figured it out, so now he shouldn't use it on us because we know the trick. Actually, it's the other way around. You have to begin with basics with the outer form first and it does matter the formal prayer is important it is important to make ablution before you pray extremely important if you read any book on humility in prayer everybody will say if you don't fulfill all the preconditions for prayer you can just dream about you know feeling the sweetness of your prayer or having your prayer transform you from within it's just a transaction you've done it tick but was there much benefit? I'm not so sure. So, the scholars say you have to do the outer form and then the inner aspects, the inner dimension will also be explored until you feel that too. And then you have the full benefit of everything. And it should go like that until you breathe your last. And it is in Allah's hands really how far are we going to climb up? Yeah, how far are we going to ascend? Are we all going to become saints? Inshallah. You know. Do we want to become beloved of Allah? Yes. No doubt about that. We have to, every believer has to aim high. How much you're going to read and reach depends on, on, on your effort, as this chapter says, your homework and Allah's uh, acceptance of, of what you did, which is going back to your heart, the purity of your intention or sincerity. So this ayah is very uh, interesting and very important. So always do the both. Outer form, do the basics, and then try to fill the gaps, yeah, like the content, with something which is loftier than that. Okay, this is one ayah. Then he said, وَقَالَ تَعَالَى He added another ayah. فَمَنْ يَعْمَلْ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةٍ خَيْرًا يَرَهُ Okay, he just put this part. 
This is from Surah Zalzala. This chapter is known to most of you. Very short chapter. Again, Meccan Revelation, ayah number uh, 7. What does this ayah mean? So, so, whosoever does good equal to the weight of an atom, like, or something really tiny, small particle, shall see it. Well, interesting. And the next bit says, likewise, whosoever does evil equal to the weight of an atom will also see it like everything we do whether it's good or bad it will be presented to us on judgment day we shall see it basically it will have some consequences on our lives in this worldly life and also we will see its effects in the next life too every bit of good and every bit of evil okay i'm not going to go into all details like exactly what zerra means but I can tell you a nice uh, classical explanation, okay? Uh, what they say, like in medieval times, how they understood. Today, obviously, we have microbiology and all that. It's unbelievable. We have a scientist here, so he can tell us a little bit more about atoms and the smallest particles and uh, a guy who, who studies materials to the smallest, smallest particles. I'm not going to go into that, no, no, and all that. But I can tell you a nice uh, explanation which applies to everyone. Not everybody is a scientist, not everybody is a, f a physicist or a mathematician. Not everybody understands that, really, it's even in today's time and age. But most people know, you know, the, the basic atom structure from elementary education. So what they said to people back then, they said, like, when the day breaks out and the sun rises and you remove the curtain from your window, and you see all the dust, all the tiny, tiny particles, the bits, yeah, as the sun rays go into your house, into the room, that's what zarra means in Arabic language. That's what it is. It's beautiful. And I had a conversation recently with one GP, he's a very good Muslim doctor. So I said to him, like, sometimes I also wander in the house, because it can actually happen at night when you put the lights on. But this is a nice metaphor, very beautiful one, connects you to nature and so on and so forth. It's nice. I like this kinai. So I used to wonder sometimes, like, what is all this falling out? And I said to him, what is it really dust? Because I have asthma and I'm really curious, like, should I really have a carpet and all that dust will sit in there and I'm going to breathe that in later on and suffer? He said, no, you know what it is? It's the peelings of your skin. That's what it is. The cells. The tiniest bit of your own body, part. That's what's floating in the air. That's what it is. Of course, there's some other things as well, but that's by and large what it is. And this really happens. We know that now in science. <laughs> we get completely new cells every now and then. It's complete. This skin is the biggest, the largest organ that we have. But it, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala keeps rejuvenating us. And that's why I like those scholars who said, studying the human body at the tiniest level, they believe that every cell in our body praises Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and has its own function and time. So, of course, every organ will do the same and will want to connect to Allah and every system, okay, set of organs that we have and what an amazing body we have. Who gave it to us? Allah. So we have no other choice but to admire and praise Allah and be grateful to Him. And as this ayah said, the tiniest bit of things that we do, even our skin, as the Quran says, and our limbs, will testify for or against us on Judgment Day. 
So you don't need any external things. It's just you and your body that will be for you or against you on the day when you meet Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in a way is trying to, to, to make us more alert, raise our awareness and the sense of re human responsibility, yeah? uh, uh, accountability, liability of, of what we say and do. Don't be foolish okay, and have false hope and think oh, I can say whatever I like and do whatever I like or not do what things and I'll be fine. No, everything is recorded and even the tiniest bit may make a difference in good or bad way and this is really true. So the scholars say we should never underestimate even the tiniest act of kindness that we do. This Surah Al-Ma'un tells us about this. Likewise we should not think of any kind of sin that we do that it's insignificant and it may not cause us any problem. So every bit of good adds up and may lead to more and more good and as uh, Ibn Atayla said in his hikim, and I'll probably end here. He said, Rahmatullah uh, Alayhi, he said, sometimes, you know, we do lots of good. We do lots of good deeds. But we are not granted the qubul, the acceptance by God. Do lots of righteous deeds, in your opinion, but Allah didn't take, accept them from you. On the other hand, he said, you might commit a sin, but that will be the cause for you getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because you, you purified your intention when you realized you repented with sincerity. You turned to him yeah, in repentance and you sought forgiveness sin with sincerity. And that was the means Allah made you do that to get closer to him. Oh, that's wondrous. Amazing. So he says that. And, 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 and we really have to understand that. We cannot underestimate any bit of good that we do. Even the tiniest bit sometimes can, can be the cause yeah, of our complete forgiveness. Yeah? We know the story of the lady or the man who fed a dog, thirsty dog, that was it. Or many other things, small things. I remember one story, I think one of the companions told his son just before he would die. He said, Dad, please tell me something useful. And he just said one story from previous nation. He said, of a man who had the intention to feed an entire village, town of people that he, he just had one loaf of bread. But he didn't have more than that. But he said, I wish I had like a, a hill or a mountain of flour. And then I will make some food for this town and I'll feed them. But he didn't have that. But he really genuinely meant that. Allah sent the angels to tell him Allah forgave this man just for that noble intention he had. And that he just shared one piece of food. Okay, loaf of bread. So we should not undermine any good deed that we do or can do. We don't know. Likewise, let's not undermine a sin that we commit. Because our scholars made up a maxim saying, uh, so uh, sins in a cumulative form they do lead to disbelief that's the problem so when, when, when we start uh, disregarding some of the wrongdoings that we do some of the sins are saying categorizing them into minor and major and insignificant and having or not having impact there is a danger there that you might go on and on and on and on and on don't even realize yeah okay it could be minor sins according to some scholars definitions but when you add them all up 
it's nothing but a major and a disaster to happen, all right? So in that sense, this ayah uh, raises this next level of uh, conscious uh, awareness that whatever we do, uh, we will be liable for it. Therefore, let's think twice before we say or do something. That's what it is. And let's be mindful of our religious duties. And like I said, it's always more important, the scholars have all almost agreed on this. In our spiritual ascent, yeah, uh, traveling, it's always more important to stay away from prohibited things and dislike things than doing extra optional things. Only once we have sorted that out, like one of my teachers says, He says like, the worst haram with irrevocable the worst, like final, don't do it, like try not to. But if you fall short because you are a human being, you are a forgetful or whatever is the reason, then turn to him quickly in repentance and seek forgiveness. Allah will forgive you. As long as you keep turning to him, he will keep forgiving you. But the danger is we are actually limited and weak. We may get tired of turning to God and seeking his forgiveness. Allah